Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! I'm Kelly. I'm Emma. I'm Lexi. And it's another week where I get to be the host. So this week we have uh, something we've never had before on the podcast. We've have two interns, but they're special interns. Not that all of our interns aren't special, but um, you guys are RASCI interns. RASCI stands for Reproductive Rights Activist Service Corps. Um, Emma, do you want to tell us more about what that is? Mm, basically, it's an organization out of CLIP or Civil Liberties and Public policy um, organization and they started this program like in 1999 um, to support 20 years of rescue yeah um, to support uh, individuals who are um, reproductive justice advocates activists and give them a space where they can um, work and be paid for it which is pretty rare in yeah feel of work for sure that's awesome and so I assume this is the first time you've been rescue interns you can only do it once uh, I, I think you can do it more than once. Yeah. There, yeah, you can do it more than once. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. <laughs> this is actually the first time that Nero Pro Choice Ohio has been a Rasky host. And I think it's the first time women have options as well. I think so too. So we I'm have, not sure though. So we have two newbies and two organizations being hosts for the first time, which is exciting. So Emma, you're my intern. Yes. And Lexi, you are at Women Have Options, our our statewide abortion fund. Mm-hmm. Are you guys enjoying Ohio so far? I love it. I love Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I love Columbus. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's Columbus. Yeah, this is actually really interesting to me because uh, interning in Columbus is how I got involved in like and in sticking around in Ohio. And I feel like a lot of people who are like, "Oh, why would you go to Ohio? Why would you enjoy right. Ohio?" It's like, listen, Columbus is great. Yeah, I love Columbus, and I'm sorry that you can't appreciate it. No so. one even knew. Most people I told that I was going to um, Columbus, they were like, "Where's that?" I'm like, right, Ohio. Never heard of Columbus. The, 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 the like, state capital. Of right. <laughs> what, what kind of projects are you guys working on at your respective internships? I know Emma, but because uh, <laughs> I should know at least, but um, our listeners don't. Well, right now, Michelle and I are working on our warm line. Michelle Davis. She was on yes. our podcast last week. Yes. And What is a warm line? Um, kind of like a hotline, but um, email direct. We're doing email directly, um, and we're setting up the program, um, the manual for the volunteers that will be working it. So, um, as I understand it, Ormline is like so somebody can call and leave a message, yeah. and they'll get back to you, yeah. rather than like a, a line that somebody yeah. will immediately answer. Mm-hmm. And it's through how we're doing it is through um, Google Voice. Oh, okay. So they'll the people working it will be updated and can log on and. Um, go from there. So it's really being able to take what um, the small staff at Women Have Options do and expanding it. Yeah, they have what, two full-time staffers? Yeah, it's a small, it's small, but they do a lot. Hell yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah. They are not to be messed with. No, they can be scary and I'm glad they're on my side. they will tear you apart, tear you apart completely. Yep. I'm really they inspire me every day. <laughs> every day. I love the staff at Women Have Options. They are good people, and I, I am very glad they're on my side. 
Me too. And Emma, what are you working on? What what have you been what have you been working on? Um <laughs> my main project has been the Book of Choices, which is New York NARAL established this a few years ago and is basically like a comprehensive database for people in New York who are seeking abortions um, or continuing their pregnancy or finding an adoption center. And it's just a database that kind of consolidates all that information in one place and it makes it easier to find information. And basically what I'm doing is um, I'm creating um, information for all the county, well, all the major counties in Ohio, Lucas County to, how do you say it? Cuyahoga? Cuyahoga County, yeah. Yes, that's where Cleveland is. Yes, and so I'm working on that. And then since I'm interning for Kelly, who's an organizer, we've also been doing prides every weekend. All the prides. We have mm-hmm. eight this month. We were halfway through pride season. And I'm already sick. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm exhausted. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I, no, I'm right there with you. I'm very tired, and that's why we take Mondays off. Although you didn't take this Monday off. I sure didn't. What'd now you, I'm sick. What'd you, what'd you do this past Monday? I went to Cleveland with Jamie and another intern, Imani, and we, it was pretty interesting. We, um, there was a resolution to remove these um, stigmatizing ordinances, um, in um lakewood in in lakewood's um city codes and we got our resolution passed but it was a long long time coming. it was a long time coming and the antis weren't supposed to speak at the the city council hearing but they like cried so hard and yelled so much at the um city council members they're like fine <laughs> dog you're annoying the hell out of us this <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that sounds fun yeah it was um a blast <laughs> i don't i mean it was a learning experience oh it sure was i learned a lot <laughs> and we didn't get back till twelve thirty in the morning and that's why you weren't allowed to work yesterday or tuesday yes uh yeah no uh, the liquid thing we've been following kind of for a while like they had a lot of things on their city code like from not even like recently or even within the last no, 20 years it was 77. like yeah it's just like every every bill that's been passed by the state was already in liquid city code almost like a playbook it was weird mm-hmm. um they had like spousal consent and parental consent yeah. and all that kind of fun stuff that you know isn't actually legal right and we had like a legal argument for it it doesn't really matter how you feel like if they were to suddenly enforce those codes like the city i mean the state could sue lakewood because not that they would but <laughs> yeah not that they would but i mean there's um conflict right i got to learn that there's if there's conflict between city codes and state or federal law like there's a lawsuit that makes sense. It's going to happen. So Also, the interesting thing that I learned about city code is that the highest they can charge you with is like a first degree misdemeanor. They can't charge you with a felony. Oh, so okay. come at me, city of Columbus. Right. Right. Find me big, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm glad that passed out of Lakewood. Also, the most interesting thing I found about the city code in Lakewood is there's no abortion clinic in Lakewood. There's never been an abortion clinic in Lakewood, probably because of the city code. Yeah. But it's just like, why is this here? Because so what's the point? They're stigma- just like wasting their time. Yeah, stigmatizing language yeah. for giggles. Um, so this is the second resolution they've passed. Cause, well, this wasn't a resolution. This was actually repealing the code. The first was a resolution condemning the six-week ban that mm-hmm. passed back in April. So all, all the cities just plug along so that's cool so um yeah you've been working on book of choices going to all the prides this weekend we're going to be at cincinnati pride and springfield pride because why not do it big um I, i'm already tired it's gonna be a long weekend yeah <laughs> um so 
do you guys know what the rest, like what you're going to be doing for the rest of the summer? I haven't told you what you're going to be doing for the rest of the summer, but. <laughs> um, for the most part, it's going to be the warm line for me, but also I've been having the opportunities to go along with, so far, Michelle, um, and helping patients who need help. And um, I've had the opportunity to transport patients. So that's, I'm hoping to do more of that and harass antis. Jordan and I, Jordan, Michelle, and I went to um, Indies Pride and harassed a bunch of antis. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that's uh, what they do at the clinic every week, so might as well return the favor. Yes, I also want to start escorting, so I'm waiting for them to hold a training. We are working on it, and Michelle and I are going to be planning it because we usually host it here. Perfect. Yeah. Um, So... This is what you've been doing since you became an intern. What? How'd you get here? I mean, as far as I understand it, the Rasky program is pretty competitive, and you have to have like had like the chops to get there. So, what have you? What have you guys done to get here? It's really crazy for me because this is um, my first kind of not. I wouldn't say the first, but my biggest like step into social justice and my first in reproductive justice because I knew nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing, and I told them that. During my interview, I was like, I know nothing about reproductive justice. I went to um, private Catholic school my from kindergarten to I graduated high school. You and, and Jamie, 13 years. It was, they don't teach you anything, obviously, um, other than don't have an abortion. Um, that was never my thought. That's weird. Process. I never learned that in school. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they... I would get into fights with my religion teachers about it. I've been failed um, in religion class before because I, I wouldn't agree with it. And, um, yeah, so I go to UMass, and I work as a student learning assistant for the athletic department. Um, and that's really what, like, my focus is. Um, I want to work against the school-to-prison pipeline and go into trauma-informed care. So I was... Um, when I applied for the RASCI program, I um, applied for mostly programs focused. They had a few on education and um, like mass incarceration. And then I really only put Women Have Options because I had family here. <laughs> and when I got Women Have Options, I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know anything. I'm not going to, like, how can I even like be beneficial to this? And I don't know anything. And um, yeah, but I'm happy that I'm here because I love it. And I love really all social justice issues tied together. So yeah. you you need to know everything. So I'm happy. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm also like just specifically proud of Columbus and like our reproductive justice community because like we do work with other communities. Like the mm-hmm. last two reproductive health happy hours have been for Black Mamas Bailout and the uh, Black Fathers Bailout rather than just like another pro-choice organization. Right. Um, so I like that we do work for other causes even though, because like, yeah, we are, we are all connected. Like, um, reproductive justice is racial justice is economic justice is all kinds of justice. So that's the goal is that we all work together. And what about you, Emma? How'd you get here? Oh boy. (laughs) So I started getting involved in social justice communities in Memphis. Um, when I was around 16, I started to get into at first, um, reproductive rights through the way of sex education advocacy, um, and I kind of co-founded this um, nonprofit called Key Memphis, which is knowledge empowering youth. And it was a sex ed program. Tennessee has a law um, that restricts, you know, sex education to be abstinence only. And if a teacher, you know, um, in the school would 
you know, kind of talk about anything outside of the realms of abstinence-only education, like, could be fined or lose their teaching license, just stupid shit like that. That's what I would get fired for if I was a teacher. Yeah. Um, so we established our own kind of program, and we wrote our own curriculum. Um, it was LGBTQ-friendly. Um, we talked about consent, healthy relationships, um, along with, like, pregnancy prevention and... Um, all all kinds of stuff, all kinds of good stuff. Um, we taught middle school and high schoolers. Um, so it was a really great time. It was so challenging because every step of the way was like, I don't know what I'm doing because people get a degree and then do this. But we were just kind of, you know. College degrees are overrated. Yeah, they sure are. Um, but yeah, we just kind of tracked along and we were able to get seed funding and things like that. But um, through kind of the social justice and like reproductive rights community in Memphis is pretty small, so but it's a great community. Um, I was a senior, yeah, I was a senior in high school, and um, a woman named Ozak Ahmed, who is a Rhodes alumni, which is where I go to school now, and um, she was like, Hey, Emma, I think you'd be really interested in this program. I was a Rasky. Um, and she told me all about it when I was 16, 17. And I was like, okay, this is my one goal in life. I don't care what else happens. I'm going to get this internship. If like it kills me, I don't know. But I was like, that was like my goal from like when I was 16. Um, Hell yeah for achieving that goal. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So when I, I like, I knew how competitive it was. And so I was like, I'm probably not going to get it, but at least I'm applying. I even, um, had to, uh, I wanted to go to the clip conference really bad my freshman year of college. My school was like, well, okay, but we're not going to help you get there. No funding or anything. I was like, yeah, I know y'all have money. But um, basically I just like pulled some of my scholarship money to go to the clip conference. And then when I got Rasky, like they flew us out there for free. And like it was, anyway, so it was a really good kind of um, end of a chapter, beginning of a new one here. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Clip is interesting because it's in Western Massachusetts, and you have to fly into either Boston or Connecticut to drive in right. like an hour. Yeah. So uh, I went last year, and it was—it's a really big conference. It's a, like lots of college students. Yes. Um, so I felt old, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm allowed to be old. <laughs> um, How did you hear? I mean, I guess you're in the area where Clip happens, so it's probably easier to find out that way. I hadn't heard about it. Oh. Never heard about it until I was one night probably. Only a few days before the application was due, I was on um, Twitter or Facebook, some social media. Yeah, I've been using um, social media to find jobs and internships by just going to, into the search bar. And I, w- I think I Googled like or typed like social justice internship and I was scrolling for hours. And then I came across the um, clip one and I had like three days to get everything done for it. That's yeah. awesome. But... Yeah, social. I encourage all my friends and classmates to go on, um, especially Twitter and Facebook, because at this point, every organization, every company has social media for sure, and they're going to advertise. Yeah, on there, especially nonprofits. Yeah. I feel like so. I feel like it's almost hard to like get these kind of job listings and internships outside of the movement unless like it is something that you're specifically looking for. Like right. like there's repro jobs that I know about because I work in repro, right. but like if you're not deliberately looking for it, then how how the hell yeah. are you going to find it? So also shout out to whoever runs repro jobs because it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's about you guys. 
glad you're here in Ohio. Glad, more specifically, glad you like Ohio because I feel Columbus. <laughs> yes, I like Columbus. That's fair. No, that's totally fair. I actually I like Cincinnati too. Um, um, in the Ohio Senate right now, that well, it just passed the Ohio state budget. This is a biannual thing, so it has to be out and finished by uh, June 30th, and we're coming up pretty close in that deadline. But le- yes, less last night, um, the Senate budget passed. Um, with $5 million to our favorite things, fake women's health centers. So uh, I don't. if you are listening to this podcast and not familiar with crisis pregnancy centers, which are fake women's health centers, um, you can go to exposefakeclinics.com to learn more. Um, in the past, they've, uh, they've allocated $2 million in each of the budget years, I think, which is like a million annually. Um, so because it's a every two-year budget. So this is more than doubling that budget. Um, which is absurd. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Michelle, because um, one of the first week I was here and I was meeting with Michelle, and she was telling me about them because she was working with a patient um, who had went to one, and she had told me that they took money from I don't remember what um, TANF. Yeah, yeah, temporary and assistance for needy families. Absurd. That is the most back ass backwards thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. Not only that, but, like, there's, like, I know that there were some amendments introduced in this budget to allocate $5 million to fight specifically black infant mortality and, like, allocate it to groups like uh, our friends at Root Restoring Our Own Through Transformation and, like, haven't seen hide nor hair of that. Um, but they allo- they allocate the money to this to these fake women's health centers that are like they're not a solution for Ohio's infant and maternal mortality rate. They lie to patients who are seeking abortion care. Um, and, uh, so our own Jamie Miracle testified against that yesterday and, uh, we'll take a listen now. Thank you. Chairman Dolan, Vice Chair Burke, Ranking Member Sykes and members of the Senate's Finance Committee. My name is Jamie Miracle and I am the Deputy Director of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. I'm here to testify on behalf of our over 50,000 members on substitute House Bill 166. In the version released last week in the Senate, the Senate included $5 million of TNF block funding for the parenting and pregnancy program. On the face, that sounds great. But as we often say, the devil is in the details. Let's start with the problem Ohio needs to address. We've all heard these stats before. Ohio's infant and maternal mortality rates are a health crisis. Black women are four times as likely as their white counterparts to die as a result of pregnancy, and a black baby is twice as likely to die before their first birthday. Black women are also two times as likely to be impacted by severe maternal morbidity, often referred to as near misses in the medical community, than a white woman. A report released just this week showed that more than 17% of women experienced one or more types of mistreatment during childbirth, and among black women of low socioeconomic status, that rate jumped to nearly 28%, and that number went even higher when that woman's partner was also black. What does this show? That our system for the provision of medical care fails people of color. At its root, systematic racism and the structures it has created are putting the lives of black mothers and babies at risk. This legislature has begun to address this problem, but it hasn't been enough. The infant mortality rate for white babies is getting better, but for black babies it is lagging behind. So why isn't the parenting and pregnancy program the solution to these problems? Because the funding doesn't go to medical providers. This is just a way to funnel money into religiously affiliated, mostly volunteer-run anti-abortion organizations that have a track record of lying to and manipulating the people they claim to serve. 
2013 study conducted by the Narrow Pro-Choice Ohio Foundation found that these centers routinely given misinformation to their clients about the supposed links between abortion and breast cancer, abortion and mental health issues, and abortion and future fertility problems. All of these links are false. They are lies told by these centers to manipulate the clients they serve. The American Psychological Society conducted a full review of the research associated with mental health and abortion and found that the relative risk of mental health problems is no greater if a woman has a single elected first trimester abortion than if they deliver the pregnancy. Researchers have shown that there is no evidence that abortion increases the risk of infertility, ectopic pregnancy, or miscarriage. And a 2013 committee opinion reaffirmed in 2018 from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists states that studies demonstrate no causal relationship between induced abortion and a subsequent increase in breast cancer risk. Ohio has an ever-increasing racial disparities of health, and to combat these increases, we need programs that provide culturally sensitive and specialized services to communities most at risk. These fake women's health centers may claim to pro provide culturally sensitive and targeted outreach to black women, but researchers at Mississippi State University found that methods found in fake women's health centers in urban areas are not significantly different from its approaches in white and or suburban areas. An inclusion of black perspectives and activists is limited to a surface level veneer. This was clearly on display when these centers testified before the House Finance Committee. Representative Crowley directly asked the two directors what had been done within their organizations to dismantle implicit bias and racism in regards to prenatal care, and if they had specific trainings or specific strategies to address this. The response from the director of the Elizabeth New Life Center stated that their main strategy against implicit bias and racism is where we are located. When she was questioned about culturally competent, cultural competency training, she was unaware of any specific training that their medical staff receives. So what can we fund to make real impact? Where can you spend $5 million? According to the March of Dimes, studies suggest that increased access to doula care, especially in under-resourced communities, can improve a whole range of health outcomes for mothers and babies. Luckily, for people in Columbus and Cleveland, restoring our own through transformation, or root, and birthing beautiful communities provide the support in their communities. And because of their works, the clients they serve already surpass the Healthy People 2020 goals in both maternal and infant mortality and morbidity. Individuals in Cincinnati and Northwest Ohio have already reached out to Root and Birthing Beautiful Communities to expand their programs in these areas of the state. Just imagine what these two highly effective programs could do if they were given $5 million over the next two years to expand their services. Additionally, research shows that when we, when we improve the communities around these individuals, when we make sure that black women and families live in safe neighborhoods, have stable housing, and are provided with health care that is culturally appropriate and based in their communities, the infant mortality rate decreases. In 2017, the Health Policy Network of Ohio released a report on new approaches to reduce infant mortality. Housing stability and affordability was identified as one of the key approaches. Affordable housing advocates have come before this body asking for $12.5 million from the TNF Fund for rapid rehousing and permanent supportive housing services. The budget in its current state makes no allocation for those services. If this legislature wants to just continue to do things so they said they did things and pat themselves on the back and placate their political buddies, by all means, spend $5 million funding programs like these fake women's health centers. But if this legislature truly wants to fix the problem, which I think is what the members really want to accomplish, then we need to shake things up. 
We must fund effective programs like Root and birthing beautiful communities. We need to look at the evidence. We need to look what, at what is working and we need to listen to the people in these communities about what they need. Then and only then will we even begin to break down the systems that this country has built over the last 400 years that have gotten us to the place where we are today. Only then will we actually start to make progress. Thank you and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. So, uh, but in other news, um, have you guys hear about what happened with, uh, in Missouri? I mean, of the, of the millions of things that have happened in Missouri recently. So they only have one clinic there. It's a Planned Parenthood. And um, they have announced that they are refusing to comply with the state um, requiring two pelvic exams for patients seeking abortion care. So as I understand it, you go for your first appointment and have a pelvic exam. And then you go 72 hours later because they have a 72-hour waiting period in Missouri. I know. It's like, oh, I... I have thought about this for a long time and decided this is what I want, but now the state is requiring me to wait longer. Um, and as a reminder, I want to point out that Ohio has a 24-hour waiting period, right. and Mike DeWine did not wait 24 hours to sign a six-week ban. Amazing. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't think he was going to change his mind. wonder what that's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, but he's a man. He, he's, he is not a man. He is a stack of Bibles in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> he has nine oh Bibles boy. in a suit. Oh my goodness! I don't know if yeah, you guys he saw. Doesn't deserve the name man, like the. I don't know if you. Man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this. I I don't imagine you did. But when Ohio, when Mike Dewine was um, sworn in as governor, he put his hand on not just one Bible, not just two Bibles, not just five Bibles, but a stack of nine family Bibles. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Oof. Who has nine family Bibles? Mike Dewine apparently. I'm from the South, and I think we that just is have excessive, three. right? I think we yeah. just have three total. Yeah, I have one that has like my mom's name inscription on it, but like I don't have nine family Bibles. I've never even know where my family Bible is. Right, somewhere in the house. Yeah. So uh, Mike Dwight is not a man. He's a stack of nine Bibles in a suit. Yes. <laughs> He's also short, but that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a compounded factor in everything else. <laughs> So anyway, Missouri. Um, so yeah, they have to have a pelvic exam for their first appointment. And then after 72 hours on their second appointment, they have to have an additional pelvic exam. I don't know what would have happened between the first and second pelvic exam that would require a second exam. Um, it's just the trap law. Everybody knows this. And now the, like, the clinic is actually pushing back on it. And hell yeah, Missouri Planned Parenthood. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean... They were already under threat of being closed, so like I guess at this point there's nothing left to lose. It's just right, like right. just like you can't fuck with me. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's just such a shock to me coming from Massachusetts. Right. Because this like seeing a protest you would never see a protester outside well, really? parenthood in Massachusetts. No. Hmm. And maybe maybe they'll come around like once a year, stop by for five minutes, hold 40 up days a sign. Which and is now biannual. They do it twice a year. <laughs> But it's it's abortions are covered by yeah by wow itself. they are and um you know before I came here I went through one and it was traumatizing for me so just coming here and not that there's a hierarchy of trauma but like just seeing like what these women and any individual needing um, access to an abortion what they have to go through and I'm just like I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine all this additional hardship being placed on me. By the government. By the government and just by like by right. strangers. By yeah, by people you don't even know me and you're gonna do all this. It, like it's already a very sensitive, very personal. personal personal thing. And 
it just it doesn't make sense to me and it's very it's very disheartening because I mean Massachusetts still has its you know it still has ways to go with reproductive justice but just like I can't imagine having to put myself in debt to get an abortion right yeah Yeah. that's the case for a lot of people in the south and in the midwest for sure being lied to by my doctor right about it and it's just absurd um not only like lied to by your doctor but like the government being forced to make your doctor lie to you right and getting paid like you're paying these people to lie to me that that doesn't make any sense Mm. and when i heard that the CPCs, they don't even have to follow HIPAA. Nope. Right, right what? then and there. They're, right then and there. It's oh not real. They're, it's not, not, they're real. not health centers, so they don't have to follow HIPAA. Fake, they can fake, fake. They can harass you if you are actually like uh, seeking an abortion after talking to them because they are not a health facility. They can be like, hey, this girl's going to get an abortion because they're not subject to HIPAA. Yeah. They, uh, so <laughs> just a reminder, $5 million of your tax dollars going to... People who can harass people because they're not subject to HIPAA because they're not a health facility. But yeah, thanks for being awesome, Missouri Planned Parenthood. That's awesome. It's yes. good things. And we'll probably talk to you next week. And if we don't, then sorry about your luck. 